All right, in this episode of the Glory of God series, we're going to be talking about God's omnipotence, which uh, is another big word. Jerry, kind of share with us what that means. Well, to put it as simply as possible, when we say that God is omnipotent, it means that he is all-powerful. In other words, there is no one and no other force or thing uh, more powerful than God, including men, nations, angels, or demons. Uh, and the idea in Star Wars, which you mm-hmm. made a reference to in an earlier discussion, yep. uh, that, that that good and evil are equal forces mm-hmm. is strictly a pagan idea. It's not, uh, it's not in any way uh, taught in Scripture. In fact, the very idea of it's against Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, C.S. Lewis one time made an interesting observation. He said, if good and evil were equal, that implies... A, somebody behind that who is superior to both. Hmm. Um, so that, that can't uh, be. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's an interesting observation by C.S. Lewis. But uh, Genesis one one is very clear. Uh, it the, the very first verse in the Scripture declares the omnipotence of God. It says, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." And then the scripture goes on after that to say that over and over and over. Uh, that God created, and here's an interesting thing here that I, I find a fascinating example of his omnipotence. He created the heavens and the earth uh, from nothing. Hmm. Uh, and that that's a unique measurement of omnipotence. Nobody, hmm. but nobody is capable of doing that. To speak atoms and light and yeah. think matter into being. Right, to, to, to create uh, out of nothing something. Yeah. Uh, that's just absolutely not that's possible. That's amazing. It is. It's an interesting measurement of his omnipotence. Hmm. Um, uh, that, you know, Hebrews 11.3 says that we understand that God, uh, you know, created the scene out of what is not seen. Or in other words, he created something out of uh, nothing, ex nihilo. Hmm. And um, Colossians 1.16 also in declaring again the deity of Christ. Colossians is a great book in terms of discussing the deity of Christ. Hmm. But uh, it says in 1.16, uh, uh, he describes Christ's omnipotence uh, because Paul says, For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And there's an interesting little statement in there when it says his creation involved both visible and invisible. Hmm. Again, we're getting a picture of the uniqueness of his omnipotence um, because uh, he created men and angels. Angels are spirits. And so he's created dimensions hmm. of existence that are beyond our knowledge or experience. I mean, it's, it's, quite, it's quite something to contemplate uh, that he is, has done that. And I think, again, it's another measurement of his omnipotence. I think one of the things that I think about with God's omnipotence is we sometimes equate God, you know, if God is really so powerful, then blank would happen. You know, I think my kids, you know, I go to the store with them and they think, wow, God, dad has all this money. So if I want this toy and dad has all this money, I should get this toy, right? And and I tell them no. And they're thinking, well, 
uh, dad must not have money. You know, dad must not be able to afford M&Ms or because he's telling me no. And I, I think about God's omnipotence and, and think about if he's so powerful, then he, he should run the world like in my brain he should run the world. He should use his power this way. And that's one of the big, you know, I think objections to God being omnipotent is, is the way he has chosen to use his power. And how would you respond to, to that, you know, objection? God's, um, the reason that God is sovereign is because of his omnipotence. But his attributes do not function independently of one another. They are, if you're a computer guy, and this mm-hmm. would probably make more sense, they're concatenated. Yep. I mean, they're all the same aspects of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So God's exercises his omnipotence in love. Hmm. Um, he does. He never does. He never exercises omnipotence by any other motivation. Is omnipotence is love. So, so you can never is, take one attribute away just by itself and say, even though we're kind of sh- talking about God one attribute at a time, you, right. this attribute always is connected to his yeah, other they're, attributes. They're, it, this is a, probably a poor way to put it, but they're interlock and and they're in tandem with one another. They mm-hmm. they all function together toward the same end or mm-hmm. purposes that he designs. Uh, so yes, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he's eternal, he's love. And all these things are, he exercises his sovereignty mm-hmm. uh, out of holiness and love. Um, and so in love, uh, he will do things differently than the way we understand them because mm-hmm. he knows better than we do. What's going on. What's best, yeah. And he exercises that omnipotence toward that end. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. I don't think I should be running the universe. So <laughs> I trust that God's wisdom is so much higher than mine. So kind of share a little bit about, okay, so um, how, how does he really exercise that sovereignty? You know, how, okay. does he, how, does he, how does that show up in my daily life? Well, um, again, like omniscience, uh, you can kind of divide his omnipotence in a sense in two parts. Uh, one would be his will. Uh, again, an example of his will is a verse we've quoted two or three times already, Isaiah 4610. Mm-hmm. Um, he calls the end from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this gets into his omniscience and his omnipresence, but also his omnipotence. He accomplishes will, his, accomplishes his will, even though he is dealing with billions of human beings mm. who are in active rebellion to him as well as demonic spirits mm-hmm. and yet he still accomplishes his will mm-hmm. in fact ultimately he oftentimes uses them to, to those who are opposing his will. his will actually uses them to accomplish it now now there's a unique that's amazing uh, form of omnipotence uh, that he does that so one aspect of his omniscience I mean his omnipotence, omnipotence. I'm sorry is his will uh, the second aspect of it by which he accomplishes his will is his power. Hmm. Uh, Jeremiah 32, 17, 27, uh, and 27. Um, that's an interesting passage. Jeremiah 32, 17 is actually a prayer by Jeremiah. And he starts his prayer by acknowledging God's 
omnipotence. He said, oh, mm. Lord, you have created the heavens and the earth by your outstretched arm, by mm -hmm. the power of your outstretched arm. Now I'm paraphrasing it. I'm not reading it. And then he goes into his prayer after declaring God's omnipotence. Mm. Uh, and then verse 27 of Jeremiah 32 is God's beginning response to Jeremiah's repair, uh, prayer. And mm -hmm. God now gives him a response that gives him a different aspect of his omnipotence. Mm. Jeremiah says, you created the heavens and the earth by your outstretched arm and by the power of your outstretched arm. And then God comes in and says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Mm. Nothing is too difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that, you know, so he is omnipotent in the sense that he's created the universe, but he's omnipotent also in the sense that he rules and accomplishes mm -hmm. will in the midst of human beings. Uh, I sometimes wonder which requires the greater power. <laughs> I do think about that. You know, it's, it says, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and you're thinking it'd be so much easier, God, if you would just do it. You know, I mean, if you would just speak a word, if you would send angels to preach from the atmosphere. I mean, surely all Arlington would turn to Christ if we had angels flying around preaching the word. So. You would think. And yet, for his wisdom, he has chosen to spend his omnipotence in strengthening his people to speak for him. And and it's very interesting how God has chooses to use his omnipotence around us. Well, and that's true. Uh, he is willing to partner with his people. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, um, when he glorifies himself through his people, he, first of all, and a good example of that's David and Goliath. Um, God is, Goliath is this huge guy. David's kind of small by mm -hmm. comparison. Goliath's fully armored. You know, he's nine foot nine. Um, the Lakers would have loved him. <laughs> He'd have <get> dunked. <laughs> but what it is is a picture of weak, human weakness against human strength, but the human weakness is tapped into the omnipotence, mm -hmm. the omnipotent power of God. Yeah. And so what happens is, and David tells Goliath, after this is over, all Israel and all those around you, will, around us, will know that there is a God in Israel. Mm. So he is, God in the exercise of his power on behalf of David, glorifies himself. Yep. But what it also shows is that God is prepared to partner with his people mm -hmm. in the exercise of his power. And that's quite exciting when you think about it. And that's what the gifts of the Spirit are. You know, yeah. It's the omnipotence of God and the omniscience of God uh, part invested in people. Yeah. yeah and I think there's all sorts of times where, where we look at the numbers you know, Gideon and his 300 and and all these different battles all through history you know that we don't have to look at the numbers on our side as long as we have God on our side you know we will win whatever battle we're in uh, because he's that powerful well, uh, yeah, and a couple, one or two other things is that the other aspect of his omnipotence that uh, is the contrast in terms of his creation. Like, you know, he's created the Rocky Mountains. Mm -hmm. He's created the Alps. Uh, he's created solar systems. Hmm. He's also created roses hmm. uh, and flower petals of delicate softness. Mm -hmm. And he also created you in your mother's womb. And now that's probably the most delicate work yeah. that he could do. And again, Psalm 139 talks about God knit me in my mother's womb, you know. Well, that is a statement of God's omnipotence. Hmm. You, 
but it's an omnipotence of intense delicacy and yeah. uh, and uh, very detailed surgical movements. Mm -hmm. uh, you have these huge mountains, and then you have these little flowers, mm. and he's created the Mumford one. Um, but just in in summation, um, God, no, nothing determines God's will except God, mm. and no one determines His will. In that back when we were talking about Moses interceding yeah. you know, with his omniscience, God, Moses didn't cause God to determine to change his will. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody uh, functions to change God's will. God alone determines his will. But the good thing is he does not exercise it arbitrarily. Mm. He always exercises it with love and a display of his goodness. And I think from our perspective, this is kind of that whole... You're, you know, God has always been, he's eternal, but, but we are immortal. And so we're inside of time and all I really can comprehend is this linear time world that I live in. So I know from, from my perspective, it seems like we pray and then God responds. Mm. Whereas, um, I don't really know how God thinks about it all the time, but it, there's all these times where it seems like Moses prays and then God changes relents and so from from us inside of time as we see the story played out uh, i think i think it is important to realize that god responds to us and responds with power to us and you know the people pray and and peter gets released from jail and and that kind of that kind of ebb and flow through time is, is something that we experience I, I think we're when we're with him finally in glory i think one of the things if there's regret in heaven and i don't think there really is <laughs> if there is yeah. it is the regret that we didn't pray more in this time space continuum, mm. how much he was prepared to make his power available Hmm. And he makes that power available to glorify himself. Why? Why does he want to glorify himself? Because hmm. that's what brings people to the light. You know, we've been talking about measuring various way, various ways of measuring his omnipotence. One of the great measurements of his omnipotence is the resurrection. Hmm. You know, uh, Ephesians one, uh, what nineteen twenty, he mm -hmm. talks about. Paul is praying that you might have the eyes of your heart enlightened yeah. that you might uh, that's verse 17 or 18 verse 18 of Ephesians 1 mm -hmm. that you might know the hope of his calling the riches of the inheritance of the saints mm -hmm. in him and the greatness of his power toward us and then he proceeds to give us a measurement of the power that is available to us it's the mm -hmm. same power that he used in raising Christ from the dead Hmm. and seating him above all rule and power and authority in this age and in the age to come and placing it all under his feet. Hmm. That's the same power that is available to us in Christ. Well, that's encouraging the power to do the impossible, at least what we see as impossible, that he has the power to always change that. Well, I'm encouraged to get into the prayer room after, after this to say, God, we, we want to see more of your power in our lives. Thanks, Jerry.